Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. But uh, on, a, on a serious note, uh, I want us to take a few minutes. Uh, last night, uh, my wife and I received a message that uh, one of our uh, young ladies, uh, Crystal Ruiz, uh, uh, her mother passed away. Uh, from COVID, and so I want us to to uh, lift her up right now this morning, and just just send the peace of God toward toward their family, and uh, uh, and, and they also uh, both Crystal and and her son they also need healing in their bodies, and so uh, we send that word of healing to them right now. Let's do this as a body of Christ today, Father, in the name. Jesus, Father, we lift up Crystal, her children this morning. Father, we just pray for uh, the peace of God, which passes understanding, to just flood their hearts and minds. Father, we just speak that peace over them in Jesus' name. Father, that in this difficult time, in this time of, of loss, Holy Spirit, just wrap your big arms around them and bring them that comfort and peace that Jesus called you a comforter. And he did that for a reason, because that's part of your job description. So right now, just minister that peace and comfort to them in Jesus' name. We declare that in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just pray and speak healing to their bodies as well. We call them whole, healed in the name of Jesus. We just thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you agree with that? Let's all say amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, it is a good day to worship Jesus. And, uh, you know, regardless of what happens, regardless of uh, of what um, there there is nothing that the devil can do to dethrone Jesus. Anybody agree with that? Yeah. Praise God. There is nothing that he can do to dethrone Jesus. He's been trying, uh, but he's failed. Praise God. And, uh, you know, we... We believe that uh, we believe 
that God knows how to deal with and is dealing with every situation. Praise God. I believe this. I've been saying this for, uh, for several years now, that God is healing our land. Praise God. You know, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14 says this. says, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, he says, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Well, Christians have been praying that for a long time. And a few years ago, the Lord just spoke to me and he said, uh, when are you going to start believing that I am healing your land? And so, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, we teach faith around here. We, we believe in the principles of faith, and, and one of the principles of faith that we teach is that Jesus said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, when, notice that, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. When you pray, believe you receive them. Not uh, by a bridge class. <laughs> we... You know, he, he said, when you pray, believe you receive them. He didn't say believe that you're going to receive them. He didn't say believe that maybe there's a possibility you could get what you're praying for. No, he said, when you pray, right then, believe that's when you receive. Praise God. That's a principle of faith. But yet Christians have been praying. Oh, Lord, heal our land, heal our land. We turn from our wicked ways. We repent. We turn, you know, and, and they've been praying that, praying that, and praying that, and praying that without ever believing they received. But he said, when you pray, believe you receive, and you will have them. Praise God. And so that's, you know, I understood exactly what the Lord was saying when he, when he said that. He said, when are you going to start believing that I am healing your land? So from that day forward, I began to make that declaration. God is healing our land. Now, I'm not sure I know what a healed land looks like. But one thing I know, it's good. It's good. Praise God. And whatever that means, I'm going to love it, praise God. When I see it with my physical eyes, I, I, you know, I see it with the eyes of the Spirit. I see it done, praise God. But, you know, I'm not seeing it with my physical eyes yet, but I will see it with my physical eyes. God is healing our land, praise God. Praise God. So I want to encourage you. I heard someone um, just yesterday, they made this statement. And, and I would love to tell you what they said, but I just lost my train of thought completely. <laughs> and so anybody ever had that happen to them? You know, it was there, and it just went that way. 
you know. Uh, I did hear someone yesterday say it, though. <laughs> it'll, it'll come back. Praise God, it always does. Praise God. But we're going to dig in today. I've got some things, some good things to share with you from, from God's Word. Praise God. Oh, here's what it was. I told you to come back. They said, some of you need to learn to trust God for more than three days. Some of you need to learn to trust God for more than three days. You know, we get all excited about, oh, we're believing God, we're trusting God, we're, you know. Three days later, we've already moved on to something else. And, and we've taken exactly the opposite position. You realize you never get anywhere that way? You got to make your decision and trust God and hold on to that decision and see this thing, believe this thing all the way through. Praise God. Praise God. And that, that's a personal word for some people. You know, that, that, that's a word for, for people who are struggling with things that are going on. You know, be it, be it COVID, be it election, be it personal health, be it what, whatever it is in your life that you're struggling with. You need to learn to believe God, trust God for more than three days. Because sometimes it takes longer. Praise God. Praise God. Sometimes there are things that have to come together, you know, and, the, and it takes some time for those things to come together. And you need to trust God. Say, oh, Lord, I roll this over onto you. You know, I, I cast my care upon you for you care for me. Three days later, you're saying, oh, God, why don't you care for me? Got to learn to trust God for more than three days. Praise God. Praise God. And that's enough of that because that's not my message today. But uh, today... Okay, Siri, I'm not talking to you. Just a moment. Five <laughs> appointments today. Oh, wow. Siri is in. I hope Siri gets saved. <laughs> Praise God. We're talking about love and who loves Jesus the most. Who loves Jesus the most? Well, let's go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says. Let's just lift one hand and say this together. Say, Father, I thank you for your Word. Your Word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your Word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for your Word. I'm a doer of the Word, not a hearer only, and I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice today, Father, because you sent the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me 
So I call on you today, Holy Spirit, to do your work in my life. I'll receive truth, act upon it, be changed by it, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Now, you know, during this time of um, restrictions on meeting together and, and, and things like that, how many believe that the church can still grow? Praise God. Church can still grow. Now, here's what I want. I'm going to ask you to do something for me uh, to help the church to grow. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to start asking our friends to come to online church. Now, I was thinking about that the other day, and I thought, you know, uh, online church really uh, is, a, is a great tool for getting someone started in church. Because uh, the trend is that if someone is an unchurched person and they want to go, they, they decided, okay, I'd like to go to church. Uh, and, and I need to get started in church. I need to get my family started in church. And, um, you know, so they, they've, they've made a decision. But the trend is in our culture today that, and, and I would do this too. If I, was trying, if I was looking for a church, I would go online and I would find an online church. And I would start there. I wouldn't stop there. You know, I would, I would go on and begin to attend in person. But your friends, your family that need Jesus, your family that, that uh, want to go to church, well, help them to find us online, and then they can check us out and see, is this what I'm looking for? And... and so, you know, that's, that's a trend in our culture today. You, you're, you stand a much better chance of getting somebody to join your online church than to get them to actually walk through the door. And even after COVID is over, we're going to continue to push that idea because I believe it's a God-given tool to grow the church. Praise God. Now, with that said... Uh, go to Luke, the 7th chapter, and we're talking about who loves Jesus the most. In Luke chapter 7, verse number 36, if you're, if you're thinking, well, I love Jesus the most. I love, you know, no, I love you, I love him more. You know what I'm saying. Uh, but here we go in Luke chapter 7, verse number 36 says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil 
and stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to, uh, to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed five denari 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her, her hair, with the hair of her head. Um, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, I want you to begin to notice some things. We're going to pull some things out of this passage of Scripture. Verse number 39 indicates that Simon completely misunderstood the heart of God. What did he say in verse 39? And when the Pharisee, Simon, who had invited him, saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man if he were a prophet, would know what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Simon presumed that if he were truly a prophet, if he were truly a man of God, he wouldn't want to get close to a sinner. He presumed that if he knew she was a sinner, then he would not permit her to touch him. 
that is completely a misunderstanding of the heart of God. Because what did Jesus come into this world to do? To seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Praise God. So Jesus was out. He was looking for sinners, not looking to avoid sinners. Yet, Many in the church world today, they have the mentality of Simon that says, if God knew, then, or if, if you knew, then, you know, you wouldn't let this person come to your church. If you knew what this person was like, you know, you would, if you knew what they were doing, if you knew where I saw them last night. Well, I wonder why you saw them there last night. You must have been there too. But, uh, you know, if you knew what, where they were and what they were doing last night, then you wouldn't have this person in your church. But you see, we've purposed in our hearts that there's a different way to do church. Praise God. We've purposed in our hearts that Jesus came to love and to seek and to save sinners. So therefore, we are looking for sinners. Praise God. We're not looking for sinners to condemn them. We're looking for sinners to introduce them to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. So just in case you're wondering, if you've got sinner friends that, you know, say, well, they're, if you knew my friends, they're bad. I say, good, bring them. Praise God. See, we're, we're looking for sinners. We're looking for bad sinners. Praise God. If Jesus, if, if he knew what kind of woman this was, you see, what kind of woman was this? Well, the scripture tells us that this woman, indicates that this woman was Mary Magdalene. And really, when, when you say Mary Magdalene, Magdalene was not her last name. She was Mary the Magdalene or Mary of Magdala. That's like saying, well, you, you know, this is Mercedes of Carlsbad. I'm not saying that, Mer that Mercedes is like Mary Magdalene, but uh, you know that, that's not. I'm not implying that at all. Okay, so so don't take it that way. But I, I'm just making a point that you know it's this was Mary of Magdala, and and the the implication is like this, you know. Mary, yeah, the, the one of Magdala. It's like, you know, she was the town prostitute. She was the one that, you know, the, the, uh, her reputation was not the greatest. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus had cast seven demons out of this woman. 
So she was a demon-possessed woman. Mercedes, on the other hand, is a Holy Ghost-possessed woman, right? Am I, am I right? <laughs> but, you know, th this was a, a, a woman that was a demon-possessed woman, and Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. And so she loved Jesus, and when she heard that Jesus was having dinner at Simon's house, she went to Simon's house. And she came in, she brought this fragrant oil, and she stood behind Jesus, and just in the presence of Jesus, she began to weep. And wash, I mean, she was sobbing so profusely that she washed his feet with her tears. And then knelt down and began to dry his feet with her hair. Simon's got that critical religious spirit that says, yeah, Jesus knew who this woman was. Jesus knew perfectly who this woman was. But if he knew who this woman was, he wouldn't allow her to touch him. You know, I got to wonder if, I, I, I was just thinking about this. I thought, you know, so how'd she even get in Simon's house? How, how was it she was even let in the front door? Maybe she was a regular at Simon's house. You know, we, I, I'm not saying she was. I don't know. But I'm just saying maybe that's why they let her in. But uh, but anyway, um, you know, he says, if this woman was a prophet, if he really knew who she was, then he wouldn't let her near him, wouldn't let her touch him. And people are saying, well, if if this church, if they knew what this person does, if they knew, they wouldn't let them be in their church. We got a whole lot of churches that are trying to keep the sinners out instead of trying to get the sinners in. Praise God. Now, notice that in verse 41, Jesus begins to tell a, a, a story here, and he says there was a certain creditor, a certain creditor. And any time the Bible says a certain man, a certain creditor, a certain judge, a certain what, he's talking about someone very specific, you know. Uh, sometimes in his parables he would say, well, there is, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man. Well, that's just a general man. It could be any man. But in this case, when he says a certain man, you know, he, he is speaking of a very specific man. So anytime I see that, I want to know who this specific man is or this specific creditor is that he's talking about. So he says there is a very specific creditor. Well, as we read the story, it's easy to see that this very specific creditor is none other than Jesus. Now, 
He goes on and he says, there are two that are indebted to this creditor, two individuals, two debtors that are in credit, uh, indebted to this creditor. And notice here, these two debtors, well, if we're talking about a certain creditor, then there is also certain debtors. Now, who are these certain debtors and these, these certain debtors that he speaks of here, they are symbolic of someone. So let's see who he's talking about. First of all, he says that they could not pay. Now, if we know the overall picture and the overall story of the Bible and God's dealings with mankind, we understand that, that God has really, throughout time, he's dealt with two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles, okay? So he's got two debtors. One is the Jew, the other is the Gentile. All right, now, by the word debtor, he's, he is telling us that both were indebted to him. Both owed a, a debt to Jesus. Now, he says here that neither could pay. One of them owed 500 denarii, Denarii is a day's wage. Um, but he says one of them owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. So one owed 10 times as much as the other. Now, let, let's look at the symbolism here. First of all, who owed 500 and who owed 50? Well, I'll tell you, the Jew was the 50. The Gentile was the 500. Now, if you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile. So you owed 500. 500 denarii. Ten times as much as the Jew. Now, isn't that interesting? Because how many commandments are there? Ten. And the Jew, the, the Ten Commandments were given to the Jew. And since the Gentile was never given the Ten Commandments, all right, the reason the Gentile owed ten times as much as the Jew was because he never even tried to keep the commandments. The Jew, he boasted in his ability to keep the commandments. You know, so he's given ten commandments, and since he's been given the law of God, but the Gentile never had the law, the Gentile never had the commandments, so he now owes ten times as much as the Jew. But how many know if you can't pay, it doesn't matter if you owe a dollar or if you owe a million dollars. 
doesn't make any difference. You know, and I remember when, when, when we were renting this facility here, uh, this church facility, that the owner of, of the building came in and told me they were going to put the building on the market and he would like to offer it to us. And he said this. He said, you know, I'll make you a special deal on this. I'll make you a special offer on this. And it wouldn't have mattered how good the offer was. I didn't have any money. So if you don't have any money, it doesn't matter if it's $10 or if it's a million dollars. If you don't have $10, 10 or a million doesn't matter. doesn't make any difference. And so here we find the Jew and the Gentile. The Gentile owes 10 times as much, but it doesn't make any difference because neither one of them can pay. Now, here we find, as we, as we read on, you know, we said that this is, is uh, Mary Magdala. And um, in Luke chapter 10, we find um, something about her. Here it says that, um, you know, this is, you, you remember the story how that Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house. I mean, another story of Mary and Martha and how that Jesus was there and, you know, he had become friends of the family. Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, was their brother. And uh, so he's there at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house and Martha is in the kitchen preparing the meal. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening and learning. And Martha comes in and she begins to complain that Mary has just left me all alone to do all the work. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, Martha, you, you're troubled about too many things. Mary has chosen the good part. Praise God. And so that's the same Mary. Now, in... Uh, John chapter 1, verse number 10, says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Who did Jesus come to? Who was his own? His own was the Jew. Jesus was born a Jew. And so he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But then he goes on there, and he says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Praise God. And so uh, here, this is, is the Mary that we're talking about. This is the Mary that she chose the good part. Praise God. She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, we see this characteristic of her, you know, uh, ever since she encountered Jesus and Jesus cast seven demons out of her, she fell in love 
with Jesus, and she was not going to be denied her Jesus time. Praise God. Some of us need to realize, you know, Simon makes this statement. He says, if Jesus only knew, if he were really a prophet, he would not allow this woman to touch him, to be near him, to touch him. And, uh, you know, and, and Jesus says, Simon's saying this in his mind. He's not voicing this out loud. But Jesus, knowing his thoughts, he, he turns around to him and he says to him, he says, Simon, it's not me that misunderstands here. It's you that misunderstand. See, because you misunderstand what I came here for. And you misunderstand how, why it is that this woman is so in love with me. Jesus says, you know, this woman, I came into your house you didn't give me any water to wash my feet with. This woman not only gave me water, she gave me her tears and washed my feet with her tears, dried my feet with her hair. He said, you know, you didn't give me a kiss, which, you know, in that day that was the common practice. He said, you did. He said this woman hasn't ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't give me any oil for my head. This woman has given this costly oil and she has poured it upon my head. She anointed my head with oil. And he says, he, he, he says to him, you know, these he tells him the story of these two debtors. And he says, this master, this creditor, he freely forgave both of them. The forgiveness was equal. But he said, here he said, uh, which one of these debtors do you suppose is going to love the creditor more? Which one? Simon, you know. I'm sure everybody in this room, you got the answer right. The one who was forgiven more. Jesus is making the point. This woman, she's been forgiven much. I know who she is. I know what she's done. And I have forgiven her. And because I have forgiven her much, she loves me much. You, on the other hand, you're the one. You only owed 50. And because you owed 50, you thought, I don't need forgiveness. All I need, you know, I can take care of this myself. Well, clearly you couldn't. And he said, you know, see, so many people, this, this is what being self-righteous is all about. Self-righteous is I don't need any help. I don't need to be forgiven. I don't need Jesus. I don't need God in my life. I don't need, uh, you know, I don't need this. I don't need that because I am self-sufficient. I am a self-made man, and I can take care of myself, and I'll pay what I owe, and, you know. But when you owe 500 denarii, 
you begin to realize there was nothing I could do to help myself. This woman, she couldn't have cast seven demons out of herself. There was, one, there was no help. There was no way this woman could help herself. Jesus came along. And he cast the demons out of her. He forgave her much. And because of that, she loved him much. Now, here's the bad place that we get in sometimes is when we get in the place of thinking, I have been forgiven little. This person, well, they're way worse than me. We start looking at, at others and saying, they're worse than me. Fact is, doesn't matter if you owed 50 or if you owed 500. You still couldn't help yourself. And the one who realizes how great his debt was, that's the one who loves the most. Who loves Jesus the most? If you said, I do, well, I hope that's true. I hope you realize how great a debt you've been forgiven. Praise God. That you realize how messed up you were. You know, I ask the question often uh, of just people in general. Do you have any messed up people in your church? If not, why not? If not, why not? You know, are you being a Simon? Are you saying, you know, if, if you only knew, you wouldn't let messed up people in your church? The fact of the matter is, our church is full of messed up people. When we realize how messed up we were and how hopeless we were, and we begin to realize how much Jesus has forgiven us. You see, here's the deal. When people don't think they've been forgiven much, then they take their forgiveness for granted. They, they don't appreciate their forgiveness. When they think they've been forgiven little, they don't really appreciate their forgiveness. Some even go so far as to flip the other way and start thinking that God owed them something. I've known people like that, and here's what they do. When they approach God, they start trying to name off all the things they have done and why God owes them. Well, God, you know, I go to church every time the doors open. Oh, God, you know, I, I pay my tithes regularly and I give to special projects and I serve in the church and I do this and I do that. And we're thinking... When we do that, that somehow whatever it is we're about to ask God for, that he owes it to us. Fact of the matter is, God owes nothing to anybody. Because if he owes it to you, 
And one, one of my favorite things to say is God never wanted to be a paymaster. He wants to be a father. He never wanted to be a paymaster. Paymaster owes you. You worked. You put in the labor. You know, you put in such and such number of hours, and you should get paid for that number of hours. That's what is owed to you. You you deserve that. But, but father doesn't work that way. Father gives out of the goodness of his heart to his children. God never wanted to be your paymaster. So quit coming to him and trying to impress him with what you have done to earn whatever it is you're needing from him. Just start coming to him, crawling up on his lap and saying, Daddy, See, when we take that kind of posture, it's not, it's not even father, it's daddy. Abba, father. That's the equivalent of saying daddy. This is not just a, you know, well, this is my father. No, this is my daddy. Papa, whatever you, you know, whatever that term, that affectionate name is. That you use for your for your father. You know what? If you crawl up on his lap and you call him pops, if that's affectionate, if that's your affectionate way of relating to your father, I, I assure you, he would not be upset with you calling him pops. He would not be upset with you calling him dad, daddy. Probably shouldn't call him your old man, but, you know. But whatever your affectionate name is for that father in your life, come to him because that's who he wants to be. He doesn't want to be your, your paymaster. He wants to be daddy to you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, that's from the Ten Commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And if you're honest with yourself, you love him with part of your heart, with part of your soul, with part of your mind. You love him part of the time. See, why, why did I say that? Because you're not even capable of doing that. I'm not even capable of doing that. I don't even know how to do that. See, because there's, there's sometimes, let me, let me give you the proof of that. 
How many of you believe that God wants you to read your Bible? Okay. So about half of you do. Rest of you, I'm telling you, he does. He does want you to read your Bible. So here's the deal. Those of you who said you know God wants you to read your Bible, how many of you sometimes you go to bed at night and you think, I didn't read my Bible today and I'm, and I'm just too tired. And you go to bed without reading your Bible today. What you did is you just proved you don't love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your, you just proved you don't love him like that. You just proved that you loved sleep at that moment more than you loved him. So you went to bed. Now, I'm not condemning you. I've done it myself many times. See, I recognize I'm not capable of doing that. So therefore, that's one of those Ten Commandments. So that, that's, there, there's 50 denarii I owe him right there. We got nine more commandments. You know, have you ever, because it was convenient, you kind of told a half-truth? Well, that's another 25 denarii right there. See, your debt is adding up. But here's the deal. He forgave your debt. All of it didn't make any difference to him whether it was 50 or 500. He forgave your debt. Praise God. And when you begin to realize that, and when we run around boasting, oh, I love you, Lord, with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. I love my neighbors, myself. You know, oh, yes, Lord, I do that all the time, always. He just says, you just bore false witness. There's 50 more denarii. Why? Because we're not capable of loving him like that. But when we recognize how much he forgave us. Now why am I saying all No, it's not to condemn you. It's to, it's to cause you to love him more. It's to cause you to recognize how much you have been forgiven. Because the more you realize you have been forgiven, the more you truly will love him. So I ask the question, who loves him most? If you say me, what you're saying is, I'm really messed up. And he forgave me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus asked the question of Simon Peter. 
different Simon, but Simon Peter. He asked the question of Simon Peter. He said, do you love me more than these? Peter, you know, he was a fisherman, and he had these fish, and Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Lord, you know I love you. Lord, yeah, of course, Lord. You know I love you. You know I would even die for you. You know I'd follow you anywhere. You, Lord, don't ask me any more stupid questions. You know I love you. John, on the other hand, referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Peter was saying, Lord, you know how much I love you. You know, hey, we've been cool for a while. You know I love you. John was saying, I know you love me. When they were at the cross, Jesus is hanging on the cross. Peter ran away because he denied him three times. The one You remember the one who said, Lord, you know I love you. You know, I'd even die for you. Well, he denied Jesus three times, and then he ran off. John, the one who never said, Lord, I love you. Lord, I know you love me. John was the one, the only one of the disciples that was actually there at the cross. The one who's been forgiven much, loves much. Praise God. I encourage you today. I want you to zero in and focus in on how much he loves you. Quit trying to love him like, well, it's not there anymore, but, you know, like that scripture that was up there. Quit trying to love him like that because you can't. Unless, now, here's, here's the deal. How can you love him like that when you know how much he loved you? When you're conscious of how much he loved you, that's how you do that. Say, Lord, how can I do, how can I do that? How can I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind? How can I love you like that? Just be conscious of how much he loves you, and that will be the natural outflow of that mentality. So begin to focus in and know that he loves you. You owed him 500. Mary Magdalene owed him 500, and he forgave her. And she knew it, and she was conscious of it. And therefore, she loved him much. Want to love him like that? Remember, you owe him 500, and he forgave you. Now, you don't owe him 500 anymore. See, that's the deal about forgiveness. You don't owe him 500 anymore. He forgave you. So you now owe him zero I'm not trying to bring you under a debt. That's not my purpose today. I'm not trying to bring you under a debt. I'm trying to make you realize how much a debt he has forgiven. Praise God. 
when you begin to realize he owed, he paid the, the debt, he forgave you in full, you owe him zero. Because he forgave you. Father, we thank you today. Mm. Father, help us to be conscious of how much we've been forgiven. Help us to be conscious that we've been not partially forgiven, but totally forgiven, freely forgiven. Therefore, we owe you zero. Now our hearts, out of the abundance of what you have filled our hearts with, we respond to you with love, with all our heart, with all our soul, all of our might. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Maybe you're here in the room today or maybe you're watching me online. You've identified with Mary Magdalene. You understand how much you've been forgiven. See, there's, a, there's one small difference. Actually, it's not a small difference. It's a huge difference. One huge difference in being forgiven and receiving forgiveness. When you forgiven, you see, Jesus paid for all of our sins. Yours, mine, everybody's. He paid for them all. Now the, the your part is to receive your forgiveness. You got to believe that he forgave you, in other words. I've told you the good news today. The good news is you have been forgiven much. you believe that, you'll respond with love back towards Him. How do you receive your forgiveness? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. What does raised Him from the dead have to do with it? Well, raising Him from the dead means that He died. And why did He die? He died so that you could have forgiveness. So when you believe that God raised him from the dead, that means that forgiveness is complete. It's full. And if you believe that for your forgiveness is complete and full, then you confess that he's your Lord. You choose him as your Lord. You choose Jesus. So I want to help you to do that today. If you've never received your forgiveness. The Bible says that when you do that, that you're born again. Praise God. 
So say this after me. I want everyone to say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you went to the cross for me. You paid for all of my sins. Completely forgave me. And then you rose from the dead because payment was complete. And now I understand that I have been forgiven much and I choose you to be my Lord and my Savior. Right now, I choose you. I want to follow you. Teach me to know you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.